This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, I don't think people are aware that you actually have a full name. I only call you Jay, but your full name is actually Jason, which I've never actually said on the show before uh, in the last 11 years. So people out there should know you do have a full name. You've not just allocated a single letter on your birth certificate. And if you met me in real life, I probably would introduce myself as Jason. Which is always weird when I hear you say it. (laughs) Whenever I've heard you say I'm Jason, I go, who? Who's that guy? I I do the same thing when I see your, because when you write your name, you tend to say Timothy. Right. But I don't know of anybody that calls you Timothy. Um, And I don't hear you refer to yourself as Timothy. So what? What is our problem? What are we doing? I don't know. I think Gen X rebelled against multi-symbolic uh, uh, letters yeah. or, or names. Uh, mm-hmm. We just we were like, you know what, Terry, <laughs> we ain't having it. Christopher. I'm Tim. He's Jay. That's it. There you go. I could go with T. I'd be fine with that, too. But it sounds a little weird. Speaking of. What's up, Wit? Weird. Speaking of weird, yeah. <laughs> Guy with two last names. Yeah, right. Or whatever. Uh, everything's good. That's Whitney Beeler. He's been here before. So many episodes uh, that if I name them all, it would be about half the episodes we've done. I'll name a few. No. I'll name the uh, the ones recently. Shades Apart last year. That was a, an album we review we did uh, mid-pandemic, uh, the Eyewitness episode. And then uh, before the year before that, it was Dada's American Highway Flower, Caviar's self-titled, Human Radio's self-titled, and the Tories' Wonderful Life. You also joined us for some roundtables here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's that time again. It is in uh, in the January to February to March area. That's where we usually talk about a record you've picked. And uh, lo and behold, that's why you're back with us, because you've picked another record. So enough talking. Let's start. Uh, let's start with what album did you pick? Death Ray by Death Ray. Death Ray. So you went with your this is now your third self-titled record that you've picked. I'm sensing yeah. that you like self-titled <laughs> albums. It, I guess I do. I never really even noticed that I did, but I do, I guess. Because then you yeah. don't have to remember what the name of the album is. You just go, it's Death Ray by Death Ray. Yep. It's caviar by yeah. caviar. It's human radio by human radio. What do you? It's yep. it's much simpler than. How did you uh, come upon this band? Because this is not a well known band. Nope. I think I just heard the first track on the album. Uh, my lunatic friends. I think I heard it once on a like a modern rock station here in town, in Minneapolis, and uh, liked it and just bought it and it just kind of stuck with me. One on repeat, and that was it. I listened to it all the time. Not Gee, a very exciting story, I know. No, it's not. Work on it. Uh, workshop it for the next time we talk about Death Ray. Uh, Jay. <laughs> Jay, which will be never. Yeah, exactly. This is this is what we call a Marvelous Three rule episode, because this album actually came out in 2000. 
we don't cover the 2000s unless there is a significant connection to the 90s. We've done this before because Marvelous 3, we reviewed their second album and their first album came out in the 90s. So we gave that was the grace period. We don't do 2001. Only 2000 is the, is the year that we will grace period in. Uh, so, Jay, had you heard Death Ray? No, totally under my radar. Me too. No, never heard of him. Cool, so here's, I've done it again. All right. Yeah, here's the um, here's how we squeeze them in. Former members of Cake, uh, Greg Brown and Victor Damiani. Uh, I think that's how. Maybe that's how you say it. Who knows? Uh, they formed this band in 1998. Um, they left Cake, hooked up with Dana Gumbiner, Gumbiner, uh, who was in a band called Little Guilt Shrine, and uh, they also brought in some other folks: uh, drummer James Neal and keyboardist Max Hart. They made an EP, and then they got signed to Capricorn Records. And their debut album was released in 2000. So that's how we get the 2000 release because they were in cake in the 90s. So there's no, I don't, I, you know, I don't want any grumbling that we're, yeah, I saw we're going crazy people, here. I, I saw a little bit on the Discord and I was like, oh boy, what have I done? Did I, did I, uh, I, I don't know if this 2000 rule is going to be a big issue here at this point, but <laughs> I see you very uh, capably handled the fallout. I did. Uh, Tim. And it was the album was produced by Eric Valentine, who also produced albums by Third Eye Blind, Smash Mouth, and Citizen King. Smash Mouth, I'm right there. That's why. That's the influence that I was looking for. There you go. What got you? In? And it's what got me in? Yep. So I this think came he did out a Maroon Five album too, by the way. Oh, he did. Before they really stunk, I think it was. It won't be soon before long. The second one after the there's a time I never went. I don't want. I'm not going to bash Marvelous. What's it, what are they called again? Maroon 5. We don't Maroon have to talk five. about them. I, I was going to say Marvelous 3. Maroon 5. Not a fan, by the way. Is there a just 4 band we can put in there as well? <laughs> 4 and a 4. No, I don't know. That's not Mayfield 4. Mayfield 4. There we go. Maroon 5. Mayfield 4. Marvelous <laughs> 3. Uh, so their second album, Believe Me, came out in 2005, but that was self-released. Eric Valentine also produced that one. And then the band kind of went their separate ways. Uh, they had a website until about 2007. They were playing shows. Members were in and out a little bit. But um, yeah. So they were like yeah, they really have, together they for did, two They records. did have an EP too, Tim, in uh, oh. 2005. They had a little five-track EP called White Sleeves, which is pretty good. So I, I'm, here's the question I have. On their Wikipedia page under genres, it says alternative rock, pop punk, pop rock, new wave, and ska punk. What? I'm not hearing any ska punk in this, yeah. that's for sure. I was going to ask you, so I didn't hear on this record, and we'll get into the overall record, but on their other releases, have you listened to them, and do they, cover, do they have a ska punk sound on those? <laughs> no, All right. Well, somebody's... Somebody has jacked up Wikipedia. I don't know who's in Correct. charge of Wikipedia, but they need to fix that. Who did this? Get the, get the Wikipedia guy on the phone and have him <laughs> correct yeah, that. Yeah, it's not, it's not correct. Over at Patreon, 
Uh-oh. We put up a post. We let people vote and comment. I know it's very dangerous when we do that because you don't know how it's going to turn out. Let's go see what they say. And uh, we'll share their comments. So Willie Dillon said, it's all right, but it's not exciting. Not really exciting me. Better EP. And then he apologized. Sorry, Whitney. Yeah, the things I do for that guy. And this is what he does. For he me. does. He's, he's, he actually felt bad about that. I think he uh, did. Nate and Smith said, hadn't heard of this, but there's some solid harmonies. Interesting songwriting. Didn't hear any strong candidates for singles, but overall, I dig it. Also, not a bad album to throw on in the summer. Whilst eating crawdads and shucking corn. And I responded, that's very specific imagery. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a little different, yeah. Crawdads and shucking corn. Is Nate in New Orleans or or like in the bayou? I I didn't know that. Nate, we'll have to discuss that at a future time. Uh, Because that sounds very Baton Rouge. Sure does. To me. I don't know. And then John Seaman said, I recently just discovered this band in this album. I was getting really into Cake last year and saw that their guitarist and bassist left after Fashion Nugget to start this band. That to me is crazy that they left after the like breakthrough of Fashion Nugget and were like, ah, eh, we're mm-hmm. going to go start it in another band. Like, okay. But anyway, I love both of their playing on Fashion Nugget, so I had to check out Death Ray. This album doesn't sound like what I thought it would. But I really love some of the songs, most notably Only Lies. I'll go with Worthy Album because even if I don't love some of the songs, they're bearable because they're all pretty short. I don't know. That's kind of a backhanded compliment. Kind of a shot below the belt a little bit there, I think, isn't it? (laughs) They're really short, so they're not bearable because they don't last long. Yeah, right. (laughs) Which I'm not even going to relate. It's logic. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a there's a a polar bear behind Jay. (laughs) He's attacking. Oh, the dog wandering. Yes. Didn't see it. Giant dog that just wandered in. Size the size of a of a small automobile. He makes it hard to type. Uh, so we'll get to the actual poll results, which just ended prior to the show of where the album better EP decent single when we share our opinions at the end, but Jay, let's talk about what worked and didn't work for us. Tell me one thing you liked about the self-titled album by death Ray. I really like the tight production on this record. It has a very unique sound. Um, it, it's one of those records where it, it's pretty dry. You know, there's not a ton of reverb or um, space in it. Uh, oftentimes it almost sounds a bit direct, uh, meaning like, you know, the amps are small sounding. Um, the bass is kind of compact and fuzzy. The drums are tend to be like more drum machine sounding or um, as opposed to live drums. And I think what's cool about it is that with these really like sharp, well-crafted pop songs, it just gives it a unique sound. So instead of it just sounding like an average power pop band or maybe like Weezer, which some of these songs could sound like, it goes into, I think, a, a place that's a, it's a little bit more unique. Um, you can hear the harmonies more. Um, you hear s- some 
keyboard stuff that's really interesting that maybe wouldn't pop out as much because you know the the guitars tend to be a little um you know smaller so you have all this room for either you know kind of keyboard leads or even keyboard synth which adds a, a cool texture um and then i think overall you know the the songs are just so well crafted like i mentioned before they um they're not overly like um i don't know they still have energy to them like the they do a really good job of thinking about dynamics and keeping the song moving and interesting they are on the short side you know they tend to be under three minutes so they're super compact um they tend to you know they're going to follow a rough kind of verse chorus bridge but there are a couple songs here where like scott isn't an example the structure's a bit off um it takes a little while it just in the way it builds and resolves is, is a bit unexpected scott why'd you have to do it why couldn't you see through it like you tore through her bolted soul you made it past the There's actually a couple on here where I, when the, as the song's ending, I found myself thinking like, wow, they really could have probably done that course another time or two. Um, it, it's so compact and sharp that you won't hear me say this often, but you know, I, I, they probably could have extended some of these a little bit more even. So again, a pretty unique sound. I, the only other, you know, record that came to mind, I think, Whitney, you had picked this one in the past was caviar mm. in terms of like the way it's produced. This is a little less, um, I guess, um, it sounds more band oriented, even though there's a lot of studio stuff going on here. There's something about the way that the songs are structured. It still feels like live musicians and performances. Um, so I, I really like the sound of the record. And then I think, uh, it it tends to serve the songs really well. You know, the singer is the way he sings is um, it's very controlled. He's not overly emotive. He doesn't push a lot of air. It's it's kind of in a Rivers Cuomo type delivery, which this production really helps a lot because you know if it was too loud or had too much room noise, I think the vo vocal could get lost. Um, but with this approach, I think it, it just makes us really like compact, punchy, you know, easy to listen to record that has some surprises. You know, there are layers here. There are, um, some unexpected instruments and sounds. Uh, the harmonies are really nice. Uh, so it kind of catches your ear at first with this, um, you know, in your face production that, uh, you know, does have some depth to it and some interesting things going on. So that's some of the stuff I liked. What about you, Tim? 
I really like this record overall. It hits all the right spots for me in terms of tight songwriting. I really like that dry production because it serves the song so well. I like the direct guitar sounds. I like when they do a little bit of weirdness here and there, like on Baby Polygon with like the vocoder thing that's happening. And they don't like they could saturate a whole song with it, but they don't like they just add it for part of the song. This is the last Saturday. Cause Baby Polygon wants to play. Coming around for Devil's Cake. Rising up out of the lake. Out of the lake. Out of the lake. Out of the lake. Out of the I just think that you can tell that they knew exactly what they wanted to do when they went in with this. There's a total like commitment to this really tight power pop songwriting that evoked a wide array of influences and, and things that if you like this, you might like this. You know, I was listening to like, what would you do? And I was getting a little jellyfish out of that song. Like there was a little bit, you know, it's not over the top. Jellyfish could be yeah, over the top yeah, yeah, with their yeah. performance, but just in terms of the way that melody was constructed. And then you get songs like My Lunatic Friends. That kind of sounded almost like an, a, a really good Fountains of Wayne single. Mm-hmm. And it's just as you go through this, you go. I don't know how this wasn't. Like, how does maybe that was the timing with this album because it was 2000 and maybe this needed to be 1997. Yeah. When those bands were first starting. But this should have hit these. These songs should have been on the radio at the same time as like Stacy's mom or or some of the other, you know, the we, the, the the third Weezer album that came out yeah. Yeah. with uh, in what was it? 99 or 2000 in, in that range. Um, It seemed to be like right in that sweet spot and i don't know why it didn't hit because it's really good it's the the melodies harmonies that happen throughout the record are really strong um it's just there's not an overdone or wasted opportunity on this record and the fact that only one song goes over three minutes or sorry, two songs <laughs> go over three minutes is like, yeah, that's like sugar to me. I was going to say, this is perfect for you guys. It was 13 songs, 34 minutes. I mean, I think I chose it just for that reason. Right. Right. I mean, this is, <laughs> that is really tough to do. And they could have easily stretched out. Like you saying, like some of these songs, they could have gone back to the chorus at the end you know, modulate it and change to another key and get real crazy with it. But it's like they heard, you know, some of the best power pop, even go back to the cars. There was stuff that reminded me of the cars. 
And they were just like, let's keep it as compact as possible. And I think that really, really works for this record. Um, I can understand why some people would not connect with it completely because it is so direct that it almost feels like demos in some way, but like super awesome demos. But I could I could imagine like somebody on their computer today making this record with just like home computer equipment because it's so direct, so tight, so dry that yeah. you could probably pull it off at home with like a direct in guitar and some good like a, a nice vocal patch or 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 you know something like that. Like you could pull it off and uh it almost sounds too simple in that way. Like I don't I don't think the really thoughtful construction of these songs is present on the first or second listen. I think once you listen to it a couple of times, you go, wow, this is like, like I remembered a lot of these songs over after I hearing them a couple of times, like they, the, the chorus is just really. And especially at the beginning of the record, it's just like, boom, 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 just like hook after hook after hook. And um, yeah, there wasn't a stinker on here for me. So. What works best for you, Whitney? Oh, man, uh, you guys did such a good job of pretty much saying what uh, the same thoughts I have. You know, I have a number of friends, and when I play the music like this, they always really enjoy it, but they don't really listen to it unless I like, you know, I don't know how to put it. I, I get accused of liking too much of the melodic harmony the chuggy guitars, the start-stop stuff, you know, I get accused of being just a, a, a maniac for that kind of stuff. I mean, this album has that in spades, and it's like, it almost to the point of like an Only Lies and Scott and some of those songs, when it almost gets ridiculous that the song is so tight that it almost feels like it's going to implode, you know, and I just, they just come in for two and a half minutes, maybe three minutes, the song just kicks it like, verse chorus verse chorus and they're out maybe there's a solo maybe there's not there's acoustic guitar with a with a uh with a keyboard or something that's accompanying it and there's so the production i like so much because i like albums that have like you know like at the beginning of zero there's kind of a lead where uh the guy's counting down to the song and then there's when they leave a song it kind of fades into another with some production little flourishes and things like that So my teen years probably occurred a little bit before a lot of other DMOers here. And I grew up like late in the late, you know, my, my mid teen years were late seventies, early eighties. And geez, I know I don't look that old in camera. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
a lot of the bands I listened to, you know, were like The Knack, The Cars, Blondie, mm-hmm. Cheap Trick, The Police. I mean, even the Go-Go's, right? I mean, it's just like I was like enveloped with this kind of stuff in, you know, maybe a little after the formative years, right? Mid to late teens. Um, this album is, people could say it's deliberately derivative, but I I can see that. But I, I can I can play spot the influences like on um, you know ten fifteen definitely has a Beatles feel to it right um, there's a couple of songs here that are that Weezer probably would have killed people for um, but I just think it's just a solid record where they're not worried about hey I'm gonna show you how good I can play a guitar solo or I'm gonna show you my range when I sing the guy's got like Jay said a real he didn't say deadpan but I'll use it he's got a real deadpan kind of even keel delivery right and yeah for me it's always about just melodic hooks and you know like last year i told i i liked a lot of stuff like quicksand and uh and king buffalo and a lot of things i don't normally listen to that i really enjoyed but i always fall back to this kind of an album right it's something i can enjoy it's kind of a it's a fun windows down like frisbee in one hand beer in the other on a summer day kind of like fun album right yeah. so this is kind of the stuff i really gravitate to and it it's kind of, I like upbeat music and this, this is one of probably my top 15, 20 albums. Cause I just love the, I love the vibe. I, I just, it's, um, it's kind of embarrassing when I say that I, I just found it because I heard a song on the radio. I wish there was a, a deeper story to it, but um, <laughs> you know, That's it is okay. what it is. It's yet another band too. Capricorn records, like just died when they were signed to them. You know, every, it seems like every, it seems like every band I like the record company folds and the band just like, Oh, you know, I don't know. What do we do now? So um, that's the long and short of it. You guys did a great job of covering what I really like about it. So cool. Yeah. It definitely sounds like summer. That was something. It reminded me of the czar self-titled record in that way, because that to me is a like ultimate summer record in terms of power pop albums. Yeah. Yeah. One of the songs I wanted to highlight is Check It Over, which I I, just, I love this, the synth on that and the energy of that song. It reminded me of, I don't know if this might be an obscure reference, um, The Anniversary. Their first album, Designing a Nervous Breakdown, is very synth-heavy, like emo pop. I guess you or power pop or punk pop, or I don't know what you want to describe it. But like, I ended up liking their second album better when they got rid of that sound and they went into like a more just straightforward rock sound because I did like there was stuff that I thought was good, but they were definitely sounded like a young band that hadn't quite like mastered their hooks type of thing. And they were relying on like every song having an amazing synth keyboard lead to like drive the song. And this song has that lead. It also has great hooks vocally, but they also in the span of like two and two minutes and 10 seconds or two minutes, 11 seconds, do a lot of really weird and interesting stuff. Like you get a minute, about a minute 20 into that song, they start throwing in like chords that are not a part of the scale. You get these like weird dissonant chords. Yeah. And then there's these little weird percussion parts. And you can tell that they were having fun in the studio, just like messing with these songs that are up on their appearance, very straightforward power pop songs. And then finding little spots here and there to twist them. Like, Scott's a good example. Like, that's a really weird song from a uh, uh, lyrical standpoint. It's the only song that's flagged as explicit for good reason on, yeah. on Spotify. 
Um, yeah. But we, I don't think a Weezer could pull off a song like that or or a lot of power pop bands like that level of restraint and and keeping things real small, but still emotive is very difficult and keeping you engaged into the, you know, the lyrics, the way that they do. Again, I think it has to do with the fact that they just keep this so tight from track to track that it makes it easy to go. Well, it's two minutes and we're already on the next song. So I'll, I'll peer it on the second time around. Um, Jay, was there stuff that didn't work for you on this record? Uh, there, there was, I think by the time I spent, you know, some time with the record and, and got to the deeper listens, I was wanting the singer to just emote a bit more. Um, you know, I think he's got the control and the range i'm just wanting like just these moments to happen that are just much more just jump out and grab you and i think it's so controlled that it can just kind of wash over you you know it it's definitely a record i put on while i was working and you know it would be over in seemingly a second you know, one mm-hmm. minute is so short, but then also it's just like it's so consistent and controlled that I found myself like not being pulled in as much like emotionally as I wanted to be. And I, I'm wondering if like the vocals could help with that. Um just either, you know, some parts that are just he's pushing more air or singing in a slightly different voice, or I don't know what, but like something that really just when you are fading um it, it reaches out and it grabs you a bit i i think that would help um it, it could maybe also be done with i don't know guitars or i don't know what but maybe there's an, an instrument missing or just a but just overall it can be so tight that it's almost a flaw of the record if that makes sense um i totally agree with you there was like one or two spots where the vocalist needed to just like scream it out at the end of a song, like mm-hmm. just be built into such a fury of energy to just like lose it or have the guitar player just shred for a 10 seconds in an, you know, like you would hear on a, on a, like a Weezer song on Pinkerton. Yeah. After hearing the tightness of, the blue album on Pinkerton. Then you got to hear rivers Cuomo, like go off on some really shredding tangents. He did the same thing on Maladroit and you know, I don't need, I don't need a five minute long solo, but give me 10 seconds of mayhem. Yeah. Just a little bit of looseness to remind me, right. These are humans and you know, these are emotions and it, it just, um, or, you know, the, to, to, to hear the emotion that he's singing about and would be nice. Um, and, and I think a balance of it is what I'm talking about. Like, give me like, you know, every third or fourth song, you know, some, some moment like that, that happens even when the guitar solos or keyboard solos are super creative and really cool. They're still so like precise and, planned out even the way the effects work you're like oh that is a perfect edit and like 
he turned that on exactly the right time and had the right the knob turn exactly the right way like everything is so crafted that um just a bit more spontaneity or life i think would go a long way to really put this album over the top yeah it's a, a very studio album in that respect mm-hmm. it doesn't i mean I, I think they probably had the bones of these songs ahead of time but it sounds like everything was built from the ground up in the studio after getting like a drum loop down and and vocals and then layering and layering and pulling things out i do think it's interesting because you could definitely tell that like they pulled things out and put and put things in that were really interesting what would be difficult to play live i would imagine this would be a little maybe more raucous live hopefully because you couldn't do all this studio stuff Mm-hmm. that would require that you couldn't you just couldn't mix that sort of sound live as cleanly so is there anything that doesn't work for you on this album what i can see some of what you guys are saying about the vocals um i'm i love studio albums and like especially maybe even uh overproduced studio albums a bit i just like that extra creativity i'm just not a big like the power pop thing right I kind of associate myself with it like on discord or whatever. And I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm not really a fan of like pure, what, what purists would call power, you know, pure power pop or whatever. Right. I'm not, I mean, I like bad finger and big star and stuff, but I'm not into jangle pop. Right. It seems like I like that mix of like new wave. And I was hoping to kind of hear a little bit more about this band is more new wave, right. than power pop, because I, I don't think it's really, it's 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 definitely power pop but it's also there's a whole lot of new wave influence there right um i hear a whole lot of cars and i do hear weezer all over the place but um i i think i think it's true i think there's some songs like um uh happy new year obviously and um this time he does stretch a little bit vocally but but never never for much much time i mean I think it's just a real energetic record, but you're right. There's a lot of control. There's a lot of, um, uh, yeah, just keep it moving type stuff, you know, I, um, but, but from a, from a song perspective, I think all of the, there isn't a song here that I skip. I just, I think, um, Legionnaire in doubt, Legionnaires in doubt is a terrific song. And, uh, now that I'm blind is a great, like mid tempo kind of ballad. And I just think there's a nice mix here. Jay mentioned that it, you put it on, it just flies by it really does it's not like a moments album right it's not something where it's like oh i know in this song at like three and a half minutes in this dude's gonna go on for a two and a half minute guitar solo and is kicking ass you know if that doesn't happen on this record um so and and that's something i appreciate it for because it's it's a little bit more 
I don't know how I say it. it's it's a it's a fun album and kind of exciting, but it's subdued as well. So as weird as that sounds, I can see where there it could it could do with a few more moments, perhaps, or a few like extended songs. Like they could have they could have blew Happy New Year as a end track into something that was five or six minutes long. Um, and uh, you know, a few of these songs go by so fast you don't even really have time to to take them in. But um, yeah, that's. Uh, other than that, I don't have too many complaints about this record. I think Only Lies is a good example where that's just such a great hook and the song's only two minutes. It like, could he use another 30 seconds that's maybe? The, that's <laughs> like, the one that at the end, I'm just like, this guitar is so sharp and just so, and I'm not a guitar player, you guys, so yeah. forgive me if this isn't, the, but it's like just this, just this palmed power chord and it's mm-hmm. like, tug, 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 you know, and it just, it's so tight that it almost like disappears or something. I don't know how to explain it, but it's so cool when it goes that I'm like, come on, give it another like 30 seconds or yeah. something for me, will you? So yeah, I can see that. So this came out in 2000 and I was looking through like 99, 2000, 2001 in terms of what was coming out and what would be like similar. It's a weird time because. I feel like anything that was remotely melodic that you could say, because, you know, Weezer was there and then they they disappeared, um, but they left this huge sort of void that was filled in in some ways by like Green Day becoming a little bit more commercial, stepping, you know, moving away from punk and becoming more of like a a pop punk band in the pure in the more pop end. And you had bands like Blink-182 obviously becoming popular in that era. Um, there was a band called the X's that had an album out uh, this year. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was sort of, but I feel like those records, the guitars were more almost getting back into like a metal, mm-hmm. not like new metal sound, but just like a big guitar sound. That this album is not quite in that area, so I could see why a record label would be maybe be having trouble figuring out. You know, where do we where do we fit this? Yeah. Because, you know, at the time you're dealing with like Godsmack and, you know, Creed and stuff on the radio. And then you've got Blink-182 and stuff. But this isn't quite there either. Like it's it's just a little bit yeah. just too like clever. In so some is, ways. It, is this like a marvelous three? Th- I mean, you could associate these guys with yeah. some of the stuff marvelous yes. you were doing, and and maybe maybe even um, could I God could I stretch and say like Local H's album as good as Dead, maybe something like that. I don't. That's a stretch, maybe. But like uh, there was like bands like High Speed Scene, and oh man, what were some other ones that were very much like this um, right at the turn of the ninety nine two thousand two thousand one. Um, oh my gosh, I, I was thinking of like. I mean, there were in terms of like pop punk, the stuff that was like blowing up. Like this is the year that SR seventy one had an album out. Yeah, uh, that 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 went gold. Um, this might have been the year. I'm trying to think of what other. Well, I, I think even something like the Hives. You know, there are moments on here where it reminds me. You know, that's a band that's hooky, compact, um, like the know. Vines. Maybe if a little bit of the Vines stuff. Maybe. Yeah. But they both of those guys know how to really use their vocals, yeah, in in a yeah. way that is evokes 
people like Kurt Cobain with their ability to like howl essentially, or I don't know what you want to say, like how, whatever you want to say, but like let loose with the vocal in the way that it doesn't happen on here because it's so controlled. Here, here are some bands that Apple thinks are like Death Ray. Okay. Self. Oh. So yeah, I could say a little. Uh, I, mean, I can see. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Apples and stereo. Not familiar. Uh, Starlight. Mm, not so much with the apples and stereo. Maybe a little Imperial bit. Imperial Teen. Eh, maybe. And, a little. And Creeper Lagoon. Hmm. What was Stacy Jones' band? I'm forgetting the name. Uh, American uh, yeah. Hi-Fi. American yeah. Hi-Fi. Like again, like. Letters to Cleo, maybe slightly bigger guitar on American Hi-Fi, <laughs> mm-hmm. but not too far, like yeah, in the same ballpark. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. American Hi-Fi is pretty close. Yeah, there's uh, maybe to be sugar like... sugar cult, maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. There was definitely a movement in the early 2000s to make bands like I think we're mentioning here that were power pop oriented, you know. Uh, tended to big hooky stuff you know but tended to probably be a little bit more guitar guitar heavy than this but some there's some some synth stuff going on too um right but try to make some one of those bands break and like none of them really i mean american hi-fi kind of broke um but most of them didn't they just couldn't cut through the new metal like depressing stuff yeah yeah but there was definitely a a scene going on is there uh is there like uh is there like some line you could draw between this band and like early fallout boy or uh, like, yeah. Oh, the stereo who we, who we were talking about or somebody was talking about, I was kind of uh, last week, but some of, yeah, because some of it was like then getting emo adjacent. It was yeah, sort of right. like this, you, you had a, you know, between the pop punk emo, these bands, like they could kind of intermix and like, be on bills together and yeah. fans could cross over but like email and power pop or power punk power, what am i trying to say pop punk pop punk pop punk broke and this stuff didn't maybe because it didn't have a we're struggling to like come up with a name for it maybe that's right. part of the problem I, I, well it's funny <laughs> I, I think like if you yeah. look at vagrant records around this time with the anniversary and hey mercedes and a lot of those bands like if this was a band under a different name that was like on Vagrant Records, yeah. this probably would be like a classic cult classic record. Right. Because uh, it's not that far off from a lot of that stuff that was on at that time, it was more in the emo world. But really, you go back and listen to those records now, and they're like, eh, this is pretty poppy. Yeah. 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 I wish I had a memory and I wish I was staring at my, uh, uh my library because it's full of stuff like what do you mean it's right behind you i can see it (laughs) (laughs) that was i was doing some creative backgrounding like tim like you do sometimes i it's like i you can't see this like bedroom i'm sitting in that's pathetic i got tired of looking for new pictures every week i (laughs) I, I need to just settle on one or i actually thought about i saw where the people do videos as their background but of them like walking in and like walking by themselves oh god and i was like that Seems like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure I could figure out how to do it. So I'm not, but maybe someday. Uh, let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. First, 
Well, let's do it. Yeah, let's do ours. I will, I will save the poll for last. Jay, where do yes. you land on this record? Were the album better EP or decent single? I landed worthy album. Uh, I think it's a, f- it's a, it's a fun active listen. And also it's a good record you can put on if you just want to be in a good mood while you're working or driving, you know, yep. it, it works both ways. If you want to dig into it deeper, there's a lot of really clever production stuff going on and um, harmonies. And like you said, Tim, uh, a song like check it over seemingly on the surface it's a very simple power chord riff but they mess with it so much that it makes it fun you know as a something to you know kind of geek out to and and listen to deeply Mm -hmm. so i think it gives you quite a bit on on a lot of different levels and again it's 35 minutes right so it's it's a quick listen and um well worth your time i agree with you i think it's a worthy album uh there might be a song or two that you might not dig if they get too slow or too poppy or whatever. You think it's too cheesy. I just think that this is just a really tight 35 minutes, like you said, and it's goes by so fast. Uh, it was like, you know, I mean, there are some bands that put out albums twice this length and uh, can't hold my attention. So. 35 minutes, 13 songs. I, I don't really have anything to diss, you know, as far as particular songs. So I, I enjoyed it all. Uh, Whitney? Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, I, again, I'm always a little apologetic when I come. I've had quite a few um, records that I've talked with you about that have been just, just blatantly melodic. And, and I just enjoy that kind of music. And it's Never apologize. Come, well, it, no, I'm, I'm not really apologizing. For anything I'm, ever, that's what I've learned. Yeah. Apologies are for weakness, are, are weakness. Don't ever, never apologize. Yeah, and I just think it's interesting. <laughs> it's like, it, it's it's nice to have a little bit of change of pace because some we sometimes we're on like the shoegaze stuff a little bit and the post-hardcore stuff gets a little crazy sometimes. And I'm just like, I'm just going to throw something out there that's totally, you know, totally kind of, I don't know, refreshing is not a good word, but just that's a lot of fun and it's not too you know i don't even know what half these songs are about really um i think they've got some semi clever lyrics on it i guess we didn't even really talk about lyrics but they touch on a few things that are a little bit um a little bit deeper than your average boy meets girl power pop song or whatever but um yeah i i love this record i always have it's it's like i said it's probably a top 20 record for me for sure um yeah well, the patrons did not agree with us. I know. 60-40, they went better EP over where the album... Uh, you know, everybody's got their opinion. <laughs> and, well, I'm uh, very glad you guys agreed with me. Well, there you go. That's all that matters, is that, you know, from a an awkwardness standpoint, it always makes it better when we line up with our guest. As yeah. opposed to uh, an awkward conversation where we take a dump on a record while they're staring at us. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna dump a stat on you. All right, oh, this is my fifth record you guys have reviewed with me, like that I've picked. Yeah, and the only one that you haven't that hasn't been unanimous for the album is the second one. Human Radio was a uh, I can't remember which one of you guys gave it a better EP, and the other one said Worthy. So I've only missed. I'm I'm nine out of ten for worthy album votes, so I'm gonna give myself that uh, give myself that pat on the back. Nice. 
If I'm doing something right with you guys, I don't know what it isn't. <laughs> That's isn't a pretty good looks, batting average. My, uh, yeah, I know. I think so too. That's why I had to bring it up this time. That's uh. That's pretty good. I I would be curious if for people who've been on here multiple times with picks, like where where they're at. We should uh, <laughs> we should track that. We need to have a Wikipedia just for this podcast. Yeah, right. Who wants to build that for us oh for free? Because we don't. We're not going to pay for that. <laughs> I just that's just not going to happen. Just call Mister Mister Wiki. Yeah, who's the Who's the Wikipedia guy? Oh, he blew it with the Scott Punk thing. We don't want him keeping track. Oh, that's of it. true. He did. <laughs> Scott Punk. Probably one of his interns messed yeah. that up. Uh, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Uh, yeah. With I think this is a perfect album for this podcast because, you know, we never would have found it on our own, but yeah. it fits in perfectly with the, uh, uh, you know, the mission statement and has an interesting connection to the. Uh, to the 90s so and yeah i still get a charge of bringing something and having people hear it and they end up liking it. i still get kind of a charge out of that so i'm glad you guys liked it and uh, i want to remind people that they can also join us uh like this by becoming a, uh, a patron at patreon join the union dmounion.com digmeoutunion.com uh, it starts as little as two bucks a month to join and you get to vote in the polls like the one for this episode. Also get to vote in our monthly album polls, which are submitted at digmeoutpodcast.com. It's also where you go to sign up for the box newsletter it comes out every week with new releases as well as reviews of music movies tv shows documentaries uh novellas short stories uh <laughs> webcam uh graphic novels. graphic novels uh youtube skits uh back uh, uh backyard uh performances and uh, uh whatever else that's relevant to the uh, 80s and 90s music that we cover on this show and uh, lastly, if you like what you heard, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some uh, positive feedback. So we'll see you in a year, Wit. Uh, unless you join us for a roundtable, then we'll see you at a roundtable. Sounds good. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. It's not like-